0: What up, Hyperchange? Welcome to another episode. Today we have an epic interview lined up with one of the hottest startups in fintech and one of my favorite startups, uh, public. And we've got the co-CEO uh, Yannick on the line. Yannick, what's up? Welcome to Hyperchange.
1: What's up, man? It's good to uh, it's good to finally be here.
0: Yeah, this interview has probably been like two years in the making. Uh, we collabed way back when uh, public was still like in its beta phase known as Matador. And you were just kind of feeling out the idea. Um, and it's been incredible to watch you grow, to rebrand into public, to really sort of blossom into the vision that you were t- telling me about years ago um, and become this sort of social investing app. You just raised a ton of money. Um, you're you're getting all these celebrities on board with the app. So it's been really cool. Uh, I kind of just wanted to give you a, c- a congrats on the success. Cause I see a lot of startups that I m- have met with especially back then that aren't around anymore and so to see you actually really execute and come come a long way it's, it's been awesome to just watch
1: yeah thanks man and likewise like i, I feel like we met i feel like it's three years ago maybe since we i i know we were at a hotel so it's definitely way way pre-pandemic and uh yeah but obviously your channel has grown a ton too and so it's uh, it's been exciting to watch
0: yeah, Crosby Street Hotel, I think I remember it. Crosby and like Street so Hotel. Soho, that was epic. Yeah. No. And I remember I we did that. That was actually probably like the last sponsored video I did. And I was super picky about sponsored videos. But I was like, honestly, I'll break my rule for not doing it for this Matador app because this seems really cool. And then I remember being super picky and making taking some of the payment in stock because I was like, this is so dope. And so I'm actually still at full disclosure an advisor to public um because I wanted to sort of partner and, and be, and I feel like that was awesome. But so um so much love for public. But for those who don't know and aren't clued in on the app, could you just give us a rundown on, you know, what is public? Uh, why is this so awesome?
1: Sure. So public is uh, the social, uh, the investing social network, and so we've really married the concept of social with investing. Um, you can buy any stock for any amount of money with zero commission. Um, so uh, when we launched in September of 19, out of that beta phase, we really uh rolled out um and kind of pioneered i think the concept of real-time fractional investing so basically you can buy any stock for any amount of money so even if you just have 100 bucks to get started you can still buy up to 100 different companies um, and invest sort of how you like control your own diversification etc um, but i think more importantly we've always uh wanted to build a a, a kind of community Vibe around the stock market that's, I think, very different than what you've seen um, from other communities around the internet that have sprung up around the stock market and stock trading historically, um, where it's a little bit more longer-term focused, kind of more focused on owning and compounding over time versus uh, making kind of a, a a quick gamble, and so. Uh, much like yourself and frankly like that's why that's why I think uh, when we met back in the other day, it was like a meeting of the minds because you told me I'm gonna hold Tesla until. <laughs> until forever right and and I was a little bit like yeah that's. Um, that's obviously how we think some of the best people in the world historically have have invested and so that's kind of the type of investing strategy that we're designing for the most. At the end of the day, you know public is for everyone that's kind of in the name. Um, but we focused much, much more on just building a social layer where people can um, they can post out their trades. So whenever you make an investment, you can, you can basically uh, tell folks why in a caption. You can post that out, you know, that turns into dialogue and frets, and people give you feedback and you have discussions with people You can follow other investors. So obviously, such as yourself that are kind of expert in, in specific industries or, or, or themes or companies even. Um, and I think it's just, you know, good to to be able to get a fairly diversified view from many different kind of investors, get different takes from people um, around various aspects uh, of investing strategies overall, as well as the stock market. So um, so that's kind of what we built. Um, everybody kind of has their public portfolio. If you go to public.com slash Yannick right now, you can see mine. Um, and so really just trying to make it a little bit more open and transparent. Uh, to to showcase what people are investing in online
0: One thing you uh, mentioned is this sort of longer term, really investing focus that public has. And that's one thing that I love about it. Like even within the app, it doesn't say buy, it says like invest. Um, So you're really trying to create this sort of approachable, easy to use, fun community. And I love that like focus um, and sort of brand ethos that you carry through everything. Like if it's a really small cap stock, you'll say, hey, this is a really small, risky micro cap stock. Like, are you sure you want to invest in it? Um, You even have a section within the app where I can move some of my stocks into like a long-term portfolio, so it really segments in my mind, like this is a long-term investment, I'm not going to touch this. Like, I love how you're kind of guiding people towards investing in the right way. And like one story that I I, I don't even think I told you, this is uh, my little sister just graduated law school. Shout out to Reezy. And so I said, as your president, um, you're not, you're not in the stock market. You don't have any savings. I'm going to, you're going to open up a public account and I'm going to Venmo you 200 bucks and you're going to put it in and you're not going to take it out. And I'm going to teach you how to invest. And then like two weeks later, she's texting me like, guess what? I'm on Etsy's earnings call. Like I found out through public and I'm like, what? Like, and now she's putting more money in and like it's over a thousand bucks cause it grew and she put more money in And like, she started snowballing for retirement and it's been learning and the app has made it so accessible. And so, um, I don't know, I just, I, that really convinced me to become a believer in the product. So I'm curious, like, how did you get that inkling and and where does that come from? That brand ethos of like approachable educational and think long-term, like, it feels like you're really like the good guy broker, you know?
1: Yeah. I mean, first of all, that makes me so happy to hear stories like that, of course, um, because it's. It's basically why we why we built the company, um, I think we we realized pretty early on that a lot of people were just intimidated by the stock market and it it came down to a couple of different factors, but I think you can overall just attribute it to like. psychological fear factor of maybe having misunderstood the stock market a little bit again I think if you look at the communities that have sprung up around that it, it's been. You know very much kind of uh, a little aggressive, you know short-term focused, uh, typically white male dominated as well, you know, wolf of Wall Street themes, things like that. and um, and that stuff can be fun for some folks, but for others it can be a little bit um, intimidating and 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 not necessarily the most present the most inviting uh, kind of culture. and so we we did a lot of hard work early on to just really make sure that public is a place where, um, everybody feels welcome, regardless of their background, um, and how much investing experience they have. Um, and we, we actually differentiate a lot between the terms of accessibility versus approachability. And they're kind of two very, very, um, similar sounding, uh, yeah, break words. that down for but, us. Well, so accessibility is really just giving people, um, access to stuff, Right. And uh, but not necessarily um, having sort of any, any, any guidelines, any, any, any safeguards kind of around it. And so you can you can have access to something without necessarily uh, feel like you're being onboarded into it, whereas approachability from a design perspective is really more making sure that when people come into the public community, um, they feel like this is for me. And, you know, anecdotally, that's the biggest piece of feedback that we hear every day is, you know, you can have um, um, people from very, very different backgrounds still come into the public community and feel like, okay, I see myself represented here, this is for me, I see, I see experts, but also see just other people that are um, at the same stage of their sort of financial journey as I am. Um, and, And that is really what makes it approachable, right, because then it's something where we often make this uh, anecdote that like you don't necessarily want to go to the gym with uh, a bunch of people that are just way more ripped than you are <laughs> right you kind of want to go <laughs> with folks that are like at the same at the same level and you know a, a personal trainer is nice but you know not everybody can afford that and 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 that's the same that you will probably find with financial advisors in in our industry and so We found that it just really helps as far as getting people to engage and i think that's historically where the largest drop-off has been because education around finance has not necessarily been fun and when it's not fun it's it's something that most people just drop off and churn out of of kind of doing and so we we try to take a very different approach in terms of how we can um, have people um, engage and and be educated around the stock market um, at the same time
0: And I love the, um, one thing that you do about that is the themes like you have, like my little sister was actually showing me this last night on the public app. I was getting ready for this. And she's like, yeah, look at this. And like all the themes that she loves, it's like, you know, women founder companies, like, let me check out this list and start doing some DD. And it's, you've made the investment research process fun. It's colorful. There's emojis. Like, I love how you've kind of made it accessible. And the other big thing about that is the social component with celebrities. Like for some reason, for me, like I think Shaq joined the app, and you even on your tweeting, you're like, "Look at this celeb! Look at their portfolio!" Like it's one thing to see a celeb's endorsement with a tweet, but it's another thing to know what stocks they actually own. Like this is li- this is a different level of like, of like I don't know. And so in some ways, I think there's a lot of powerful social network aspects to the business because of that. But even beyond that, just. As like a you know, someone in pop culture, it's like, what stocks is Shack buying? Like that makes it fun and accessible. and and maybe I think of him as like someone I can relate to because he's a fun celebrity, but he's not an expert. so it doesn't seem um that. but I, I don't know. there's it's, and to be honest, I didn't I was kind of skeptical when you first told me about this, like people sharing their trades, their ideas, like we're gonna get celebs to join. We're gonna make this a social network. I'm like, is it the people really need this feature? Like, is this actually a thing? But it's incredible to see how the, the you've actually really evolved around conversations. Uh, like when I post on the app, uh, I'll make a post, I get a ton of in, different engagement. Like I think I have over a hundred thousand followers on public too. Like I've really seen it blossom um, and really thoughtful discussion. And it, there's almost a, a thoughtfulness of, okay, when I whenever I trade, I can make a post to my feed, right? Or I can just post to my feed. Yeah. Um, but there's a real powerful and thoughtfulness because I know it's like a financial app. I know people are gonna read this. I know it's tied to my money. Like there's almost a lot more of a careful thoughtfulness when I post on public um, that fosters really great conversation. So I'm I'm kind of curious about if you could tell us a little bit more about that social kind of conversational content uh, aspect of the app. Cause that's the, the part that I really uh, enjoy the most.
1: Yeah, of course. I mean, there's a couple of different aspects to it but I think um, most importantly is, and. This is frankly why building public has been outside of everything else that has gone on and a lot of stuff has been going on in the in the in the short 18 months that that we've been live. Um, It's been a fascinating social experiment as far as building what may actually at this point be the most verified social network in the history of social networks. And what I mean by that is um, normally when you join a social network right. The, the data that you type in to join, it's really typically email, password, maybe username, whatever, some, some profile picture. Um, on public, because it's, it's sort of a full stack integration with a, with a brokerage, I mean, we are fully regulated broker-dealer nationwide. Um, you have to obviously, we have to verify your identity in order for you to become a customer of the brokerage which means that in theory, you know, anyone who's participating in any conversation in public or not in theory, in practice as well, um, are fully identity verified. And that just lifts the bar dramatically in terms of people's behavior. And I think it it just transforms how people act on the app. And I think that more than anything is why um, the sort of the quality of conversation, I think is, is incredibly high um, we really have not has had issues with with trolling or, or things of that nature, um, because I think, you know, when everybody's there for a legitimate reason and, you know, there are no bots or anything like that because everybody had their identity verified, um, there's just this, like, consensus that, you know, you're here to to learn and everybody takes it. It's, like, it's fun, but at the same time, everybody takes it way more seriously because everybody knows that, like, these are real people making real investments. And so it, it, it helps navigate that balance um, a lot. And and I think that that really, um, more than anything, probably has been, a, a, you know, maybe quote, unquote, the, the secret sauce that that um, has helped shape the, the community um, into what it is today. On the celeb note, I mean, it's been actually super fascinating to watch because um, I think what, resonates with a lot of people is a lot of a lot of people that you know are you know celebrities so sort to of say they they've come into 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 some wealth and and they've typically had people that have been able to help them out with that and in doing so they've just learned a lot along the way. Um, so you know example um, when when Tony Hawk joined the app, we, we, we spoke a lot with Tony, obviously, up to that, who's um, really just a phenomenal guy, first and foremost, overall, but, but you know, to hear the the lessons outside of skateboarding that he's learned, the companies that he's invested in, um, I'm, I'm not sure I can disclose them, but like, there, there, there were so many fascinating anecdotes, like investing in startups that are now household names and whatnot, and like the people in circles in the valley that kind of drew him into it and whatnot, and it was you know you realize that that most people who are in a position like that like he may have just started out as a as a legendary skateboarder but over time when you are in that position you learn and so i think he saw this as an opportunity to to kind of pass on those learnings to specifically to folks who, who do not have the, the luxury of, of being able to surround themselves with financial advisors and, and things of that nature. And I think and I think a lot of people take a lot of, of, of pleasure and, and pride in that, and that's been awesome to see. And I think that's specifically why, like that that's a sort of what's resonated um, with a lot of these um, more celebrity kind of profiles that we've been able to to welcome into the community.
0: Yeah, it's interesting to see how celebrities are going from like cultural influencers to like financial and business influencers. Like how many celebs are starting VC funds and, you know, investing in all these startups. Like I know there's a few that are invested in your startup as well. And um, yeah, it's just really cool to see those worlds kind of overlapping. I think it's all good and it's all part of this normalizing finance process.
1: 100%. I actually think there's a correlation between that and the amount of truly mission-driven impact companies that you've seen come out right so like you know whether it's us or like calm or like all of these companies like you've seen the rise of like to your point celebrities like building out their portfolios and becoming more business sort of savvy and 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 making moves in in that world whereas like 10 20 years ago that would be a complete anomaly right and now it's becoming a little bit the norm but like you've also in that time frame seen just so minimal kind of um high you know net good impact things that that you can sort of invest in right and there's a lot of problems uh to be solved like robert durney jr just launched uh, a venture fund that predominantly is going to invest in i think uh, green tech and clean energy and and things of that nature and so it's something that aligns very well with their personal brands as well um which i think is 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 why it's one of the factors at least that have helped us sort of um, help support that, that rise in celebrity investments.
0: Awesome. And switching it up a little bit to, to the industry as a whole, and this is what I'm I'm super fascinated by is all this drama that's happened with, honestly, a coming of age moment where I feel like, you know, Robinhood and public were sort of these like things that were just kind of bubbling up. And then all of a sudden, it's like, you are the it brokers, like E-Trade looks like the little guy, you know, and this, this tidal wave shift has happened, everyone's going for free trading. So I kind of wanted to start with that of like, you know, what's your take on this tidal wave of of commission free trading? Because we've seen almost every it's it's been so interesting to watch of that Robinhood started it, and then a couple people you uh public was early on on this, and then everyone started copying it, and so now commission free trading has become the norm. But we're all slowly learning that like, you know, if you're not are you the product? That's what I've said about Robinhood a lot of times. Like, if you're not paying for it, are you the customer? Or are you the product? Because they're selling your order flow. So. Um, You know, what was your, what's your thought on this idea that we're not paying to trade and kind of how this industry just kind of shifted that way.
1: Yeah. um, It's a great question, obviously. So I think what happened is that, and we recently, obviously we um, actually opted out of payment for order flow as a revenue model. And so now public is uh, sending all orders directly to exchanges and we, we substituted that revenue model with a tipping system on trades which is completely optional for the user and uh and the reason we did that is i think there was obviously the move to zero commission right um and and obviously you know Robinhood started that and and nobody will ever be able to take that away from them i think a bunch of folks kind of um, did a, a fast follow, or maybe not that fast, but a lot of people followed in the end. And nobody, I think, during that, stopped to really consider what you're kind of giving up. And and it became more and more apparent that you know payment for order flow is the way that zero commission trading is like the reason it can exist, right? And I think now that's sort of generally known. And it was. It was a very obscure thing. I think I think you had a video on this like two, three years ago.
0: Yeah, I, I actually wanted to mention that because that was even some more context of this is like, the, it was right around the time we were meeting as I made a whole video of like why I'm not on Robinhood. The yeah. payment for order flow is sketchy, but I'm like, okay, maybe that's a wash, but they had already gotten in trouble for selling it to Citadel and getting fined by the SEC for not doing it fairly. So I'm like, okay, not only is the paying for order flow sketchy, but Robinhood's on the record as kind of, you know at least the SEC, they had to pay them. And it happened again in a much bigger settlement. So they were kind of, that's what really rubbed me the wrong way. And we were talking originally and I was like, dude, you cannot sell Odorflow. Like you're going to really have to think about your monetization model. Like this was in our early meetings. Um, And it was, and you were like, bro, how do we, it's like, I know You you guys are trying your best. I think that's what people don't realize is there's a lot behind the scenes that make it very difficult to kind of pull off and execute this. And if you're going to offer that commission free zero friction trading, you have to make money on it somehow, nothing can be free. Um, But so it's been so cool for me to watch how it took you a year and a half to get there and like was really difficult. But that is Potentially, one of the biggest, boldest moves I've seen you make is turn down capital and say, "No, we're going to do the right thing. We're going to stop payment for order flow. Um, this is the right way to build it." Like I've just been incredibly impressed with that with that statement and sort of the way you've learned l- learned that. So,
1: yeah, thanks. I mean, it, it's I think it's been very well received, and I think um, you know, as one of the few that we were thinking about this for a very long time. You know, I actually talked about it two years ago, right? Um, and um it, it took us a while to also just, it, it, it was truly things like we thought about tipping for a long time as like um, a potential kind of revenue model. We liked the idea that it put the user in charge and the user could decide. And we directly tied our economic performance to how we're doing truly as a company and how we're serving our customers and, and, um, and also just like the goodwill of the community. Um, and then what you had happen obviously since January 28th, um like um immediately thereafter i think we realized two things number one that this was definitely the right move and like that tipping could actually substitute payment for order flow as a revenue model for us and then number two that the time to do this was right now because i think you know back two years ago when we chatted about it a lot of people didn't really know what it was and i think now it's sort of had a moment and everybody is uh has become much more aware um and so um, we really just said, okay, we're gonna hold off on a, on a bunch of different things. And like, we were trying to scale the systems as, as many were time because we we're seeing a massive influx of, of, of new users, but we still wanted to prioritize um, actually getting this done because we, we do think that there has been um, this potential kind of conflict of interest of like people don't really understand like why are my orders not going to exchange? Like when you come into, the stock market for the first time, you would kind of expect your orders to go to an exchange and then they're being routed to to different market makers who then pay people for it and whatnot. And so there's just a lot there that we feel like um, it's better to just tell people, hey, we're going to route to exchange, we're going to be completely transparent about how this actually works um and then we're gonna allow folks to to leave a tip um on trades and if you think about it it's a little bit like an optional commission like not really because you obviously you don't have to do it but but i guess we're also coming from the sense of like where do you go after after zero commission and 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 that prompted the next question of like you know is, is zero commission um necessarily so the 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 best thing in, in the whole world, like at what what cost does it come at, right? More specifically, because like, um, we always were looking at the industries like, okay, there's zero commission. How much has zero commission really democratized access to the market versus things like fractional investing, which, which we were sort of the pioneers of, right? And then a bunch of people kind of followed us with that later. Um, and we were always of the opinion that the reason people who haven't invested before, Hadn't done so had had less to do with with fees and commissions and more to do with either not being able to afford a single share of Amazon or Google um, or two um, being scared of the markets and and just generally not having enough financial literacy to to feel like that they could do this and so those were really the two things that you know we as public always focused on solving um, and and the seer commission model was just like build into all of that. Um, and so now we 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 made that decision to to opt out of PFOF. Um, it's been incredibly well received by the members in, in our community, which we're obviously super happy about. And, and I think um gives us a, a good early strong signal that that we made the right decision there.
0: And, and so what do you think the kind of fallout will be from the financial markets here? Because, uh, you know, if there is no one to place the blame on for, for the halting of these stocks, like it's just the system that's broken. I think a lot of it comes down to the settlement process, the fact that these aren't digitally traded things. One thing that I've been thinking a lot about is short selling, the way that that's not disclosed the same way as long positions are. The fact that some brokerages allow naked short selling where you don't even have the stock and you're selling it, which can create where there's more shares short than even exist. So... I've been thinking a lot about, you know, what is the what is the market infrastructure take away from from this moment, and how can we improve as a market um, where all participants, you know, don't have to go through this again.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I could see that there would be a an array of of kind of, con, of of consequences from this moment, and I kind of divide them up into a couple of different things. So. You had a couple of things happen that, that truly were unprecedented, I think, and and that are more novel, right, and and I think specifically with regards to um, the high amount of concentration into individual stocks, and, and, and I think that maybe will take a little bit longer time to digest, but actually, then on the on the payment for order flow thing, that's not really novel, like there's sort of, there's a new spotlight on it right now, because it brings things into question, but like you did a video about this three years ago. Right, and I think the, the bigger problem there that we felt at least is um, where you really start to make money on payment for order flow is when you have things like options trading and, and margin trading. And, and so those are things that public don't offer because they don't really fit currently within the ethos of like having people be longer term um, investors necessarily.
0: I love that. Um,
1: and so if you're really banking on PFOF as your main source of revenue, then you are truly incentivized to build these higher risk, uh, kind of more day trader type tools, and that was not what Public ever was really about, right? To your point, we built instead things like fractional investing, the long term portfolio feature, etc.
0: And and this is to me the part that you know incentives are the only thing that matters. So if your business model is saying you're going to generate more revenue from users when they do options, your incentive is to push them to options. If and the flip side or margin, the flip side of that is if you're offering a SaaS margin component and say, okay, 10 bucks a month, 20 bucks a month for access to margin. That's a a psychological thing of like, well, I'm paying for it. I might as well use it. So then you're also incentivizing users to use margin, which I would say is to the benefit of your business model. So there's lots of skewed incentives. And so I think, and that's almost the question I have for all of these brokerages. It feels like the Facebook model of, dude, we got a billion users. We're not making any money. Who cares? It's going to still be worth everything. That's still the mentality that so many startups have that all these brokerages have is like, we don't really have a revenue model but we have all these users um so i feel like eventually there has to be some moment where you kind of crack the code on incentive alignment um and engagement on the public platform yeah. so I'm, I'm kind of curious if you have anything you could tell us of, or like features that are coming up or how you think about that kind of incentive alignment
1: yeah just before we go there let me double click on the on the other stuff because i think yeah um what what's kind of fascinating and, and I started looking at a little bit of this is, you know, um, I think what was called the, the Dutch East India trading company was the first company to ever go public around 400 years ago. Um, and what happened there is the simple, beautifully simple transaction of they wanted to raise capital, private investors that wanted an upside in that company. And the money that were invested there went straight to fuel, you know, their mission onwards in the world right and and then that is really I think the main intent that the stock market was designed for that's at least my personal take on it that I can invest in companies that money helps support the company ultimately if you follow the trail that leads to job creation for that company etc and you're supporting that company on its journey in exchange you're taking part of the upside. You're becoming a shareholder in that company.
0: Like literally investing. It feels like we forgot what that was. Like
1: Exactly. Exactly. Right. And then some, somewhere in the last 400 years, it turned into, you know, these, all these derivatives on top of where the company is now the underlying asset and like, you know, options trading is just one form of that, but there's kind of many others. There's a bunch of institutional players and like, um up until a couple of years ago less than 10 percent of the volume in the u.s market was retail volume now it's kind of grown for 20 some people are now saying 30 uh, percent as of this moment right now so obviously that's changing and i think that change is really what we're very focused on with public of like we're more focused on like let, can we bring it back to something that is more similar to the original purpose that the stock market was designed for um, of like just giving retail investors, um, access and giving them sort of an approachable way to invest, uh, and own, become owners in, 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 the companies that they care about the most and that they think are going to do, do well in the future, because we think that exchange is one of the most sort of, um, beautiful concepts that have been, uh, invented in the history of, of mankind. Um, and so therefore we haven't really focused on, you know, other derivatives and, Um, and things of that nature and and it's also like from from that lens it made more sense for us to just like route orders to the exchanges we feel like it's the the cleaner thing to do for like Mm -hmm. better wording and then and then people um it'll be up to the to the people how much they want to tip they don't have to tip anything um but we're seeing that a bunch of people are because you know nobody really said like i absolutely have to and I think what we're seeing right now is a lot of the way people have embraced this this kind of tipping feature is like a lot of people, you know they don't need like like they're happy to tip, right? like it it sort of commissions went from ten seven to like zero. But like you know, I think you know if you tip half a cent or a dollar or ten cents, right? like that's probably not gonna gonna break the bank for you, especially, um, especially in, in events where you're closing out a, a position potentially and, and you made some money right and so I've, I feel like um, that's for us was just like a cleaner way to do it that more resembles um, the original intent, the the stock market to sign for in the first place
0: and this is bringing me back to uh when we were meeting in those earlier days uh iex which is the exchange that was written about in flash boys which really covered this um and i remember us talking about like what you know could you partner with iex is that something because we use iex as our api for like hypercharts for instance and their whole thing is to build an exchange without these high frequency trading the kind of different direct exchange model. I'm curious like could you give us a little more clarity on what that means when you say route to an exchange? Is that mean you're partnering with someone like IEX and sending them the orders without getting paid for them essentially?
1: Um yeah, I mean not not IEX specifically but like there's a bunch of exchanges in the US obviously Nasdaq, you know, um, NYSE, Bats, etc. and so we're just we're just routing to those. Um, rather than routing to to market makers um, who try to make a market in these securities and, and pay a higher rebate to fill that trade. Um, and so, but I, I think that there's a lot of interesting things happening. Uh, IEX is is one player, um, there are others as well. Um, and we've talked to a bunch of them and I think there's a lot more innovation to come like downstream sort of from, from the user just entering the trade um and 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 i think you know at public will will we'll definitely i think be be making some some more move there to 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 try and partner with some of these companies because there's is, there's is a lot of actually money being invested in in sort of the the down the any in innovation around the sort of downstream execution of trades
0: yeah, totally. And actually, one thing you were saying about the future of investing in companies got me thinking on this crazy moonshot where I actually just invested in Carta on their first uh, transaction on X. Did it let a deal for HyperGuap? Oh, we, we we deployed over 10 million into Carta. And I, I, I've honestly been scheming for like a year that Carta and public, if they merged and you will have all the users, Carta has all the private companies, the legislation changes for accredited investors. All of a sudden, you become the long-term investing platform. You know, you have the com- the customers. They have the companies. Bam! You team up. Software eats finance. This this is the way that totally changes financial markets. Multi hundred billion dollar company. I feel like that I, that's like a moonshot that I can't get out of my head. But I'm maybe too far, and you can't comment on that. But I'm curious, like uh, what's what's next for public? I don't know. Can you get us hyped on on what you're building? I know you're always scheming on like the next feature. Maybe you can and can't tell us too much. But I'm curious, kind of what what gets you hyped about about the roadmap and future for public
1: um I mean they yeah, I think your moonshots are always awesome and although they're called moonshots they 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 you make them you make them seem much uh less crazy than uh, <laughs> than what the term moonshot maybe uh make them out to be um what's next for us so I mean right now we've been just incredibly focused on scalability and and growth um but I think we've in a in in a way, the thesis that we've been operating with has also just proven itself. And we've been operating this thesis, as you know, for a couple of years, and like it's just proven itself at a much, much grander scale, right? Like literally building the social network um for the stock market is has been our thing for years. And and here you had this unprecedented sort of intersection of social and and investing that 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 caused all these ripple effects. And you know, we we've also spent some time trying to just like Look at that. I mean, when you're in it, like we were scaling you know very, very aggressively during those days, but now having had some time to like look at it and try to crystallize it a little bit, um we realized that we actually just have to continue on the path that we set out for ourselves because a lot of the a lot of the trends that we that we thought and and hope would play out are are kind of playing out, right? Like specifically, you know retail participation in the markets is growing um the i think the role of the retail trader will and the retail investor will become much more important over time like i don't see that going going back i think i think you know retail investors will grow in importance going forward and we always say that like you know there is no reason that any individual um or at least the vast majority of individuals over 18 in this country shouldn't have an investing app on their home screen, um, and and so with that, you know, there's just a, a long kind of journey ahead of us, and that, and there are so many things that that we want to get into. And I can't talk too much about specific features, but I will say you've seen uh, you'll see the the content creation within the community evolve a lot. One of the things we launched very recently is. Um, is a feature called chart compare. And so it basically lets you put together a comparison in three to five tabs on your phone of up to four different companies and how they've evolved um, on a given timeframe. Um, and that's something that's been super popular in the community because it helps people again, really just like like normally to create that kind of analysis. I mean, you've either had to get um, access to some kind of financial software or you had to get real creative in, in Photoshop or stuff right and um now with the chart compare you can literally just like you enter four tickers you pick a time frame and we just render um a beautiful chart that that shows you how that evolves and just like simple things like that are incredibly powerful because then you add your commentary on top of that and we're seeing the community really take those kind of things to heart because it just helps um, get into the flow of information of just understanding also, you know, historically how things um, have moved and so forth. And so we'll invest a lot more in empowering, especially the creators on the app um, with the tools to to produce content that helps them, break down the financial markets in a way that feels more authentic to them.
0: Yeah. There's no better way to get educated in the stock market than learn. Like that's what I did when I was 14, just put all my money in this account was like, I'm probably going to lose it. But guess what? Next, next, you know, 15 years later, I got a YouTube yeah. channel. Like it's like Investing never Investing in the
1: stock market is a forcing function for learning. That's the thing. You
0: love fa- that. So you, true.
1: You'll have a hard time really educating yourself if you're just like buy a bunch of books and, and say, okay, now I'm going to read these these five books with no skin in the game. like um, Very few people are able to kind of operate like that. And so for most people being able to just start, it's a little bit like entrepreneurship, right? Like what's the the number one advice that uh, someone like a, a Gary V always gives? It's just like start, right? That's step one. Great. And then you kind of learn from there, right? And I think that's for us where the combination of First of all the fractional model which means you can start with 10 bucks right and and so you don't have to risk a whole lot but just the act of becoming an investor in the first place is so incredibly important um and then from there you know it kicks off a journey where you just learn more and more and more
0: and it's to me it's so funny because people think about the stock market as this thing they can't access or like you know, this thing that exists in this world that is the financial markets or Wall Street that isn't tied to the real world. And it's like, no, like this is like, if you're an anthropologist, you're gonna be amazing at stocks. Like I always say like if aliens came down or I went to an alien civilization and I wanted to understand their civilization, the first thing I would do is look at their stock market, which companies are valued the highest, what's their financials looking like, how fast are they growing? Why is the PE of this, you know, UFO company higher than the PE of that UFO company? All of a sudden I'm getting incredible insight into that world. So I think it's like, if you. You know, everyone's watching Where
1: did Josh Whedon miss that in Avengers. Like, that's so <laughs> obvious. That should have totally been the thing.
0: <laughs> Honestly. And it's like, you know, everyone's watching Netflix and I'm like, dude, Tesla and Elon Musk has been the best show on TV for two years and you could have like made money on it and right. like help be a part of the change of the world. Like, this is amazing. So I think it's just, you know, time is on your side to get people into it. And the other thing, if if I'm like, dude, if, if we could team up to change one perception of the world, and this is even going to NYU Stern, nobody understands this, the difference between price and market cap. And I think a lot of us take it for granted who are in finance. This is something that 99% of people do not understand. And it just is the biggest roadblock to understanding finance. And I don't know how to teach it to people, but like price is different than market cap. You can ask most of your even parents, even doctors, even pe- lawyers, like people who are super profet- like nobody knows. And so I've, I've been on one on this, like how do we convince people that price is not market cap? I almost think you should just quote everything in market cap,
1: okay, you know? And so like- I was not going to do this, but I have to do a small drop then because you basically forced me to it. So <laughs> one of the things we're going to launch soon <laughs> is because I 100% agree. And let me start a little bit differently. So the... I think the the most important thing historically, when we look back at this, that the innovation around fractional investing will really have produced is exactly what you're talking about. But fractional investing is still relatively new. Like, let's not forget, like we basically pioneered 18 months ago or something like that, right? And so it's really, but like when you're investing fractionally, you're entering dollar amounts. When you're entering dollar amounts, you don't pay as much attention to. what the stock price is and the price per share it becomes Mm. like an arbitrary thing like why should you care so it's more like your interest dollar amounts at a market cap level and then that becomes the guiding decision for how you want to invest right and so so that was really one of the core uh reasons why we did that and and we'll keep beating that drum so so one of the things that that we're going to launch um like i talked about we were launching these kind of compare features Um, And one of the things we're going to launch is basically the ability to compare market cap um, similarly across a bunch of companies, because we think it's so much more important that people get into the understanding of really uh, relative market cap between companies, Um, because I I 100% agree, like the first thing you see typically is just like the stock price, but for most people that's not really the the main thing that that they would necessarily think about especially if you're a long-term investor
0: i got to add one more moonshot here since we're doing it which is hypercharts like to me that's what i tell my sister it's like etsy look it up on public now let's go to hypercharts and start doing the fundamental analysis you know that Carta public conglomerate that's worth 10 bill, issues five mil of stocks to incentivize us, gets the hypercharts aqua hire. Bam. We're no, I'm joking. But um, I think that is such a, like the market cap to me is just scratching the surface of how many people who are buying lucid stock don't know the financials, don't know how much money they're burning. It's To me, that's just, it, it's embarrassing. And I kind of get like a little bit on one in my live streams about it, but I'm like, dude, like you're literally just gambling and trading. Like you're not investing. This is, it's kind of embarrassing. So I love, like, and that's what's so cool about when you think about what public is and how a company can have a social mission. And it's like, yeah, public's really educating people. This is the class that every high school and college and middle school and elementary school is missing in America, is how to invest in the stock market and figure out what finance is and participate in the miracle that is capitalism, instead of just letting it crush you, you know, and it's getting act. So, so to me, it's amazing. And and the power that you have to be able to educate people with features like that market cap compare um, is just incredible. And so that's what really gets me pumped about public is there's a lot of power and um, responsibility that comes with being in your place of having a million young investors. I think you just hit on your app, like, but that's also an incredible chance to move the needle. And instead of just giving them 10 bucks and saying, play with margin, you're going to give them tools and data and information to understand how far markets really work and financial markets really work in, you know, what companies are actually worth and like real homework sec filings 100%. like uh yeah so i, I i'm just 100%. such a big fan of that and uh, dude
1: and like another thing is like um truth be told i know that it can be very thrilling to dive into a momentum trade without knowing any of the fundamentals or just like you know looking at any of the data right um but I personally at least think that it's much more satisfying and fulfilling to really do a little bit of the homework and do a little bit of the research, have dialogue with a bunch of people, right? I'm having it with you. You can have it on a wrap, wherever. And then, like, inform yourself and then make a decision. And then when you see it play out, frankly, whether, whether you're right or wrong, which is also a matter of time, by the way, it's still satisfying because like either you just you learn a lot or either you you come to conclusion you've made a good decision you know the investment kind of goes up and that like making a a decision for yourself versus just diving into a momentum trade a longer-term vision and like following that that is much more satisfying and fulfilling at least I personally think so and I think a lot of people in our community feel the same way.
0: Um, Yeah. And and like being a part of it, like going to the Tesla shareholder meeting every year and earning your spot to be at battery day and watch Elon Musk talk and like get the first ride in the autonomous Tesla car. Like, it can be really fun to be an investor. Because you feel like
1: you're owning a part of the company, which you are, right? So you're acting like an owner um, versus just being a trader. And I think those are two wildly different things. And to my earlier point, the stock market was not designed for trading, it was designed for owning. And that's kind of where we're trying to. That's the direction we're trying to take things back to.
0: Epic, and I know we're running out of time here, but I have a one idea that I wanted to ping you. Uh, or actually, it's it's called the the close homey feature for public because. Okay. I would want a push, no- and this is going to crush it with your engagement too. So it's going to be great for the business. I want to get pinged when one of my close homies makes a trade. Like, I want a push notification. Like, and I know I have like a dozen homies who want it for me. And I want to get all of them on public. And I want to, so I can like press a little button next to their profile. It says like close homie. And I can even make Shaq a close homie if I want, because he's like, but those are essentially these people where I want, like, I can't think of many apps where I want my phone to tell me something very rarely. I'm the person who puts my phone on do not disturb. Don't hit me up. Never. Never disrupt what I'm doing, but like financial markets, it happening now. I want to know ASAP. I want to get that information and I want to cut through the BS because, you know, I am following a lot of people on public, but there's a few of like my little sister. I want to know when she buys Etsy. I want to know when my boy Jay Filchy gets FOMO'd into finally buying more Tesla. Like I, you know, so anyway, that's a kind of cool feature that I think would drive up engagement too. Um,
1: Dude, hundred percent, give us a, uh, give us a little bit more time. Maybe next time we chat, there's a bunch of things uh, on the app that we okay. should-
0: Last question, kind of Public is democratizing markets. You're, you're crushing it, you're opening up access. The one thing you haven't opened up access to yet, but I know I want more access to and I bet all of my subscribers do too, is the equity cap table of Public, the company. So you guys are worth like a bill, are you going to IPO? Are you going to list on Carta X, the third option? Will you give your customers an option to be an early investor in your platform? I mean, this has got to be something that keeps you up at night or you're, you, I know you're scheming on. So I'm just so curious of what, what can we get out of you as a public comment on this?
1: I mean, look, I, to be perfectly honest with you, I, I haven't spent too much time on that because I, I, uh, uh, I think our we just hired uh, uh, our CFO Shruthi, who probably will spend more time on that because my head is always a product. It's in in it's an engineering. It's in the community. Um, so that that's not kind of the the thing that I wake up and think about every morning. Uh, we are a Carter customer. We are a Carter customer. Um, I haven't actually spent enough time looking at Carter X. I'm I'm, I've, you know, I've read the blog posts and whatnot, but I haven't I haven't really chatted to anyone there yet. Um, but I'm I'm incredibly. Fascinated by that movement, I definitely think that's where the world is going. Uh, we've actually for a long time had this thesis that the the line between being a private and a public company is becoming increasingly blurry. Oh yeah! And as a result of that, um, the journey to becoming a public company starts. I mean 25 to 50 percent earlier than it used to, right? It used to be a complete binary, right? Uber, great example, right? You're private, you're private, you're private, you're private, boom, you're public, but then the upside on that has not been the upside that you saw from like an Amazon or an Apple IPO or things of like nature. And I think again, it's coming back to that. SPACs is is kind of one way that's happening, of course, right? And back SPAC quite specs quite literally are a way that the journey of the public company starts kind of earlier and we're doing some work there that i i can't wait to to unveil because really the way we think about specs is they're kind of a different asset class and so there's um there's no reason that it should just necessarily follow the same kind of form and function that that um that other public equities kind of have and so um and so that's true for public as well right and so maybe i can kind of leave it there and it's enough of a of a teaser but hopefully you feel like you got something
0: <laughs> oh my god i'm like wow you got that Politician level answer there. Amazing, <laughs> amazing work. Uh, well, seriously, thank you so much for the time, Yannick. We're gonna have to uh, catch up again on the channel. I love Public as a customer. People can follow me at Hyperchange, is my Public. I'll put that um, that info there. But I think this is just a fintech startup to watch, changing the world, disrupting this industry, but doing so in a really thoughtful, sort of socially conscious, mission driven way um, that I think a lot more people should be taking note on. And I just give you huge props because I've seen you start from the bottom, Matador, to all the way where where you are now, super inspiring. So huge congrats and really appreciate the time.
1: Yeah, thanks, man. It's great to see you again. Peace. Cool, peace, bro.